Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. The message that I want to share with you tonight, um, I'm really trusting, will set you up to experience a great deal of success in this year. And when I say success, um, I'm not necessarily referring to success financially or success in studies, although those things are very good. What I'm really referring to when I'm saying I'm hoping that what I'm going to share tonight will set you up for success, I mean success in stepping into every single thing that God is dreaming over you in this year. And I'm really trusting that this message would hit home for you. Um, I want to encourage you to take what you hear tonight and to apply it. Because what was the difference between the foolish and the wise man in the Bible? You know, the one that one built his house on the rock, the other on the sand. Both of them heard the word of God. But only one of them actually put the word of God into practice. And my prayer for you tonight and for this year is that you will make a habit of putting the word of God into practice in your life so that you can step into everything that God has for you in this year. Now, I want to start off with a question, and you can maybe turn to your neighbor to discuss this. But how many of you have heard the saying, you are what you you are what you eat. Now, if you are what you eat, then what are you? A burger. <laughs> nice. Quickly turn to your neighbor. Tell them, if you are what you eat, what are you? All right. Any pizzas in the house this evening? We have one pizza in the house. Any burgers in the house? All right. Any, any loaves of bread? Or maybe cheese buns. I know Yaku is a cheese bun. Absolutely. Anyone that loves a good cheese bun. All right. Any triple Dagwood with egg, chips, and Coke in the house? Okay. Maybe Leslie, any red Viennas in the house? <laughs> yeah, let me not go into that one. I almost, I almost took the bait on that one. But I want to quickly move on to show you a few pictures, some of which will motivate you others of which will not necessarily motivate you. So let's quickly take a look at our first picture. What a beaut. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not necessarily motivating, but I mean, that takes hard work and dedication, all right? Really, really. Um, but does that motivate you? Well, for what, I guess, is the question. The next picture might motivate you. Right, does that motivate you? Good, next one. Right, now, uh, does that motivate you to work hard? Okay, might for, some of you might go, no, I'll fix that bad boy up and we'll be in love forever. Okay, it won't be like that, Rian, it won't be like that. Don't, don't go for it. If you go to the next picture, does that motivate you? Imagine driving onto campus with that bad boy. I mean, the gates will fling open and they will welcome you. I mean, in a very, and I think we have one more to go. Yes, does that motivate you? That guy looks pretty composed, all right? Um, and then the next one, does that motivate Graduation, I think like the guy on the right. Now, this is my personal backstory, all right? He, he, like the three ladies, they did all the hard work. He just copied their work, but he graduated. Like, he looks like, he looks like that kind of guy, don't you? And that's obviously then why he's wearing shades as well, because bloodshot eyes and all of those kinds of things from partying. 
But there are certain things in life that motivate you. And for each and every one of us, we have a desired preferred future that we're hoping and praying will become our reality one day. But our reality, or the reality, is that we are very aware that there is some distance for us to cover in between where we are at in this moment and where we would like to be or where we think we need to be. And I guess the question is, with these two things, how do we get where we need to be? How do we cover the distance between where I am and where I want to be. Because the reality of the matter is unfortunately for us, you don't wake up with a set of abs. Anybody ever just one morning taken off your shirt and like, man, okay, this looks good, all right? Or you, or you, you don't wake up being a successful businessman or woman. You don't wake up getting good grades. It's things that actually has intentional effort connected to them. You don't get ripped because you don't want to. You do not not get ripped because you don't want to. You have the desire to be ripped. Any guy have the desire to be ripped? And the rest of you, you're just like you're going for nine months pregnant kind of belly type of thing. Okay, but the reality for us is we have a desire to achieve these things. So it's not because of the lack of desire. I believe that the reason why many of us do not see our preferred futures is because we get distracted. We set out, this is what we would like to achieve or become, but then somewhere along the way, we just get distracted. We just get occupied and caught up in things that distract us, that won't get us to our end destination. I read an article that said the following, that the typical student can't focus on one thing for longer than two minutes. Right? That's, that's pretty crazy. And they, they go on to say that once you've been distracted by something after the two minutes, it takes you around 25 minutes to get back to focusing on that very thing. It also said that when, well, I said that, but distractions costs America's economy $650 million every single year, distractions, which means that workers in the workplace being distracted by social media or friends or whatever it might be costs the economy of America $650 million every year. So every 20 minutes you spend on Facebook, you're costing our economy 20 bucks. Think about that as you enjoy your Facebook time. But they say that distracted driving is the number one cause of accidents on the road. And they found that when any person endeavors or attempts to multitask, which is to do many things at one given moment, in other words, be distracted by many different things, it says the following, that your IQ level drops to that of an eight-year-old. That's pretty shocking, okay? And I've seen some of you as we preach. <laughs> but as if that is not enough, the other day I was scrolling through News 24 and I read the following heading to a news article which said this, 
Man falls two stories out of apartment when slipping on a fed cook. I'm not joking. I'm really, really, you can go and Google it. It's ridiculous, okay? But I, I can just guess what he was busy with when he was walking in his apartment. And I'm sure that that was the very last time, not only for him to buy fed cook, <laughs> but to be on his phone while he was walking. But it's, it's, it's just ridiculous that these things happen. I'm, I mean, I, what a time to be alive, right? It's like a guy falls out of his apartment when slipping on a greasy fed cook. I mean, what a, I mean, God can come and get me now. I've, I've seen it all. <laughs> but I want to say it again that more often than not, chances are that the reason why you have not acquired many of the goals that you set out in your life is because you have gotten distracted somewhere along the way. There was something that posed to be more important at the time than the actual thing that God has given to you and that God has told you to spend your time and your efforts into. See, even Adam and Eve... I mean, I like how everything that is wrong with mankind started with Adam and Eve. They were told everything that they needed to know. They were given everything that they needed to have. And yet in a moment of weakness, Adam and Eve got distracted. For a moment, they lost sight of that which God has placed in front of them. And they sinned. They altered the destiny of mankind because of their distraction. And so my message tonight is titled, This One Thing. It has been proven scientifically it is impossible for the human brain to multitask. And so maybe going in this year, you have 100 things that you need to get done in this year. But maybe my challenge to you tonight is maybe you should ask God for one thing. Maybe you should ask God, Lord, what is the one thing that you are setting before me in this year that you want me to put my time, my money, and my effort into making a success of it? Now, Anel and myself, we enjoy a good binge watch of TV. Um, and oftentimes, I would be on the couch watching TV or being on my phone, um, lying down, not walking around in the home on my phone. And then she would start talking to me. Okay, but it would be, I mean, it, it doesn't get through, all right? It's, it's literally she speaks and everything. And then she goes, are you listening to me? And I'm like, I hear what you're saying. And, and then she would go, but listen with your eyes. Okay, look at me when I'm speaking to you. Which I think is such a profound thing, because think for a moment, if you walk in a mall and you hear a bang sound behind you, what's the first thing you will do? You will turn your head and you will look at the space where the sound came from. See, all of our other senses are super important, hearing and feeling and all of those things. But have you noticed that we can only make an ultimate summary of a situation once we've taken a look at it, once we've seen it. We might hear many things without knowing what, where the sounds come from or what they are, but the moment that you look at something, there's clarity. It brings clarity to your brain. 
And I found it very interesting that focus is connected to our vision. In other words, for you to be single-minded this year, for you to get that one thing that God is placing before you this year, you need to turn around and look at that one thing. You need to see that one thing. It's not simply enough to only hear about what God has for you or to only feel a sense of what God has for you. You need to see a picture of what God is placing in front of you for you to be absolutely determined, dedicated, and focused on what God has for you this year. So the question for you that you need to ask God is, Lord, show me. Not give me a hint, not give me a sense, show me what you are giving me. What is the one thing that you want me to be focused on for this year? The definition of a distraction is the following. It means to shift our attention from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. And won't you agree with me that more often than not, the things we get distracted by is never really as important as the things that we get distracted from. We usually start off well, busy with the things that God has given us. But somewhere along the way, we get distracted to things of lesser importance. And so maybe for you this year, that one thing that you need to focus on is a habit that you need to break. Maybe there's some kind of addiction in your life that you need to get rid of. Maybe there's a habit of you not allowing people to get close to you, or there's a habit in your heart where you oftentimes hurt people that come close to you. Maybe that one thing for you this year is allowing God to break and get rid of that habit. Or maybe for you, this year, the one thing is a project that you need to finish. Maybe for you, the one thing is the degree that you must complete. And the students go, amen. Or maybe the one thing for you is a debt you must pay off and settle this year. Or a relationship you need to restore. Or maybe even a relationship that you need to distance yourself from. And it might be any of those things or even something completely different, but the key for you is asking God, show me. Let me see the one thing that you are setting before me. Because the reality is you can either let, let life happen to you or let it happen for you. And many of you might be sitting here tonight and you started out well. You started out very optimistic. You had a vision. You had the one thing that God was placing before you. Somewhere along the way, you, you got distracted. Now, last year in October, I set out to start being more healthy, right? Because it looked like I was four months pregnant. Currently, I'm three. Um, but I set out to eat more healthy. I started doing exercise so that I can shake off some weight. Now, this is um, what I look like after my attempt to... Right? Now, just maybe... Like, I also have, like, Photoshop as a side hustle, so if you need me to design something for you or edit something, as you can see, I'm, I mean, it speaks for itself. Um, <laughs> But, but I set out really to, to achieve a goal. 
I had the one thing that I wanted to do in the next few months, but then December hit, and, and, and I looked almost like that, just with a beard. Okay, that's sort of the only difference between this picture and, and what I looked like back then. But somewhere along the way, when December holiday hit, I lost focus got distracted, I let myself go and I started eating again what I wanted, I stopped exercising, I started drinking again what I wanted because Coke is lovely and I don't understand why they only have less sugar Coke these days, doesn't make any sense. But where I'm at now is I'm now seeing the effects of my own distractions. And maybe you're at a place where you are seeing the exact same thing. We are seeing the effects of you getting distracted and departing from the one thing that God has placed before you last year. And so tonight I want to show you very briefly the story of a guy in the Bible called Nehemiah. Okay, anyone ever heard of Nehemiah? Okay, Nehemiah building the wall, all of that. But Nehemiah, basically, if you, if you want to learn lessons about leadership... Read the book of Nehemiah. It's really, really a brilliant book to read on leadership. But Nehemiah basically was a refugee. He was staying in Jerusalem, which was his, his nation. And somewhere along the way, that nation got raided and people fled for their lives away from Jerusalem. And eventually the people were scattered um, amongst many different nations. And Nehemiah found a space where he could find a job, resettle, build a life for himself. And eventually he became the king of a different nation's cupbearer. Okay, now this might sound very sort of glamorous, but what a cupbearer did is before the king takes his wine to drink it, the cupbearer had to taste if the wine was good. But it wasn't simply tasting if it was a good wine. It was tasting if, if there was poison in the wine. So in other words, as a cupbearer, if someone wanted to poison the king, you were going to die. Okay, you were going to taste the wine and die, and then the king would go, okay, not, not good wine. Okay, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't have a sip. That was pretty much Nehemiah's, that was his job in that other nation. And it was basically some of the Jews stayed in Jerusalem, even after the, the place being raided and everything. And it was pretty much open season on the Jews that stayed back in Jerusalem. And then at some point, Nehemiah's brother comes to visit him as he's still serving the king as his cupbearer. And Nehemiah asks his brother, how how's the people doing? How are the people that stayed back, how are they doing? And this is the response that he gives to Nehemiah. He says, the remnant in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burnt with fire. So what we need to catch here is any city that doesn't have gates or a wall is pretty much an, a sitting duck. It's an easy target. So there was clear access to and from the city. And then he goes on to say how Nehemiah responded when he heard this. It says this, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's Nehemiah carrying a deep concern for the city that he came from. 
And it's so deep that he starts weeping, fasting and praying before God. And I found it so significant because this was a catalyst moment that brought about change in Nehemiah's life. And you might be sitting here tonight and you might have received bad news. There's maybe something pressing on your heart that causes you great distress. And I want to say to you tonight, it's not a bad space to be. For you to be truly concerned about something or some, someone is not necessarily a bad thing. It might just be a catalyst moment for you to turn your life around. So my question to you is, what has broken your heart in the past year? What has really just upset you? What keeps on hindering you? And I want to encourage you to ask God, Lord, isn't this maybe the catalyst moment for me to get the one thing that you are setting before me in this year? See, the book of Nehemiah is a book where there are no miracles. It's one of the few books where God himself does not actually intervene supernaturally and does something beyond what people expected him to do. See, what we do find in the book of Nehemiah is how God unlocks the potential in his people by focusing them on one thing, by focusing them around one central vision. We he takes Nehemiah, he gives him a concern on his heart, and then he takes him forward to rally people around one central vision. So Nehemiah, after he's heard this news, goes to the king and asks him, can I, can I resign from your service? I need to go back to Jerusalem. I need to rebuild my city. And the king responds by saying, listen, not only will I send you, I will make you governor of Jerusalem. I'll give you authority over that city. And so Nehemiah travels back. He gets to his city and he realizes that it's worse than he actually expected it to be. And again, that concern grows in his heart, but he gathers the people that are still left there and he gives them the one thing. He tells them the one thing that God is setting before you and I today is that we need to rebuild the walls and the gates of our city. And he rallies them around a vision and brilliantly Nehemiah assigns families to a portion of the wall that was closest to their own homes. And he's saying that literally the piece of the wall that you will build will protect your home directly. And he rallies them around this vision. And as they're starting to rebuild the city, it says that the surrounding city started to feel threatened by them. They started intimidating the workers. It even got to the point where the workers had to have a sword in their one hand and build with the other. But notice how they kept sight and focus of the one thing. They didn't get distracted. Eventually, as they were drawing to the end of the project of rebuilding the city, some of the other kings of surrounding cities plotted to kill Nehemiah. And then at some point in Nehemiah 6 verse 2, it says the following, Then Sanballat, which is a weird name, and Geshem sent a message to Nehemiah saying this. So they walk up to Nehemiah. He's on the wall, busy repairing the wall, and they're saying this. Come, let us meet together at Shephram in the plain of Ono. 
So here they come and they're trying to distract Nehemiah. They're saying, listen, you've worked so hard. Come and grab a coffee. Okay, let's chill it out. Let's, let's have some milk tart. Let's just, let's just have a good time. And then it says this, that Nehemiah knew that they were planning to harm him. So Nehemiah is busy giving his time and efforts to the one thing that God has given him, and already he starts experiencing tension, opposition, distraction. But then, very brilliantly in verse 2 to 4, verse 3 actually, here's how Nehemiah responds to distraction. He says this, So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. If there is one statement that you need to take into this year, it's this statement. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Quickly tell your neighbor, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm not hearing you. Say it again. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Now, if you ever plan on getting a tattoo, this is the line that you need. The, the pastor is saying to you tonight, you can get a tattoo. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. You can if you want, if you're a grown-up and your parents are in agreement and God is saying yes. But here's the key statement, guys. Nehemiah had the one thing before him, and he said this. I'm doing a great work. And whether your great work for this year might be restoring that relationship, might be getting rid of that habit, might be distancing yourself from that relationship, starting that project, starting that business, whatever it might be, I want you to be prepared to respond to distractions in this way. I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. And he goes on to say this. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? See, distractions will always tempt you to go down to their level and to engage in whatever they have to offer. But God has called you for the great work up there on the wall. Verse 4 says, they sent messages to me four times in this manner. So four times they came to Nehemiah with the same thing. And four times he says, I answered them in the same way. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And my prayer for you this year is that you will, for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, respond in the same manner I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I refuse to be distracted from what God has set before me. Some of you, this might mean that you need to, to get a list, what I like to call the no for now but not forever list. It's a list of things that for this season in your life you need to say no to. It's not things that are directly harmful to you or people around you. It's just things that are not conducive to your growth in the season that you are in. But I can only make that list once God has given me the one thing. Because if I know what to say yes to, it's very easy to say no to the rest and prioritize what God has given me. 
Nehemiah 6 verse 15 to 16 is when they actually fulfill the one thing that God has given them. Listen to this. It says, so the wall was complete on the 25th month of Elul in 52 days. In 52 days, Nehemiah and his people rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. Because he was up there refusing to get distracted. I've had in many times in my life asked myself the question, where would I have been if I didn't allow any distractions to take me away from what God has given me? And I believe I would have been much further ahead than what I am now. But I need to make a decision to hold on to the one thing. So I want to end with giving you three things that will help you to stay focused in 2020. Number one is this. Pre-decide what is the one most important thing. If you are sitting here tonight and you're not a Christian, this will be helpful for you. You can apply this without being a Christian. Decide, pre-decide what is the one most important thing in your life. I remember when I was matric, we had a guy in our, that was with me um, writing matric, and his, his academics w were horrible, okay? He really did not put any effort into it. His marks was bad, all of those things. And at some point during our matric year, this guy told our, our friends that, listen, he's, he's going to start studying poker, and he's going to start playing poker online. And he made this statement that I'm going to earn more money than any of you will earn through playing poker f as for a living. And we had a good laugh, um, and we mocked him and did all, all of those things. About two, three months down the line, as he was meticulously studying the ins and outs, the probability, the maths behind poker, and all of these things, this guy, after three months in matric, this was 2009, just over 10 years back, he earned 10,000 rand a month through playing online poker as a matriculant, 18 years of age. So you're probably asking me, are you telling us to play poker? Yes. No, I'm just joking. Um, but, he, but here's what I, what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to lay in your life. The reason that I'm saying pre-decide is because other things might present themselves as urgent to you. And when we are driven, when we are focused, when we are determined, when we decide on the one thing that we will accomplish, it will tell us exactly what the things are that we need to say no to. See, this guy spoke a reality before he lived in that reality. And I believe it's the exact same for you and I. God wants to give you a reality that you need to start speaking about even before you experience that reality. So pre-decide what is the one most important thing that God has given you. Number two, then you need to learn to say no. You need to learn how to say no. Chances are that somewhere in between all the things that you are currently saying yes to, there are things amongst those things you need to say yes to, but then there are things amongst those things that you need to say no to, and you need to be able to distinguish with God which is which. 
I remember at some point in school as I was a young Christian, or it was actually directly after matric as I was heading to Bible school, God actually told me, for the next year, I, I don't want you to touch any alcohol. I don't want you to drink anything that contains alcohol. And I remember I sort of I obeyed God very easily. Um, it wasn't difficult for me, but I remember there were times when I was with friends back in Bloemfontein that I was offered these things, that I was in an environment where these things could, could happen very quickly. But the fact that God set down before me the one thing, it became easy to say no to the rest. It defined what I said yes to and what I said no to. So learn to say no. And then finally, learn to walk with the right people. Find the right people to surround yourself with. In 2019, last year, um, the one morning I woke up and I was not aware that that day I would feel some, something of what it feels like to give birth to a child as a man um, when, when I got a kidney stone, okay, which was, which was really horrible and now took me to the hospital that morning. And, and I don't know how many of you, I won't ask how many of you have had kidney stones before, but, but the only thing that helps with the pain is actually if you pace up and down. So I was there at the hospital in the waiting room. I was pacing up and down um, just to deal with the pain. Eventually, when I was let in, the nurse told me that the moment someone steps in and starts pacing, she already knows kidney stone, right? And she already started, when, I, when she saw me pacing up, pacing up and down, she started treating me for kidney stone. And I was admitted. I eventually gave birth to a beautiful little boy. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I've got a birth certificate. Gemma actually made a birth certificate for my kidney stone, which is ridiculous. But anyways, I was lying in hospital, and I look back to that experience, and the reality is the reason I go to the hospital is because there are people that have experienced this and have seen people go through the same things. It doesn't help me to stay at home in bed because I will never know what's wrong with me. And the same when we endeavor in following Jesus, in getting to know him better, we need to make sure that we surround ourselves with the people who's been through it, who's seen others come through that so that they can help you and so that you can get the correct treatment, if I can put it like that, so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ. So I want to end off with a question. I want to ask you, what is your wall? What is the one thing that God is saying, I want you to rebuild this one thing in this year? Maybe it's a wall you need to break down. But what is that thing that God is speaking to you about? I remember when I was grade eight, I think it was, we had this assembly moment where we said goodbye to the matrix that were graduating, and some of them had an opportunity to walk onto stage and just share their dream with the school. And I remember one of the, the guys in matric walked up, Lionel Mapu is his name, and he walked up there and he said in front of the entire school that one day I will become a Springbok rugby player. 
And I'm sure, I mean, many of us sat there and like, sure, like you're in Fichat Park. <laughs> it's like, never. <laughs> that won't, won't happen very easily. And I remember, I'm a guy that enjoys reading the news, and I remember in the years to come after school how I started reading about Lionel Mapu playing provincial rugby for this team and that team. And then a few years back, for the very first time, he played for the Springboks. And this story stuck in my mind the whole time where, again, someone spoke a desired future reality before they lived it, before they experienced that reality for themselves. And I believe there's power in when we choose to speak about a reality that we believe God has in store for us. It's the first step to actually reaching that. So I want to ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment. And just ask yourself for a moment, what is the one thing for 2020? What is the one thing that God is, is laying before me? And then ask yourself, am I willing to commit to that? Am I ready to commit to that? Am I ready to say yes to that and no to other things? Because the moment God gives you the one thing, you say yes to the one thing, you will find how church and your personal life starts overlapping. And then church becomes an empowering community that springboards you into the things that God has for you. But you need to say yes to it. And so, Father, I want to pray tonight for every person sitting here, God, for those who know what the one thing is and for those who are still looking for it. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and drop the one thing in our hearts, God. Come and get us focused for this year, Jesus. As Nehemiah was focused in the one thing that you placed before him, God, as he made this statement, God, when, when he was tempted to get distracted, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I pray that every heart, Lord Jesus, every person sitting here would be found in this year repeatedly saying to the distractions, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in the same precision, God, that an archer shoots his arrow into a target, I pray with even greater precision that you would launch us into the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.